Here's how we're going to begin. Now we're going to begin. And here's how we're going to begin. We're going to begin the way we always begin. We're going to start with our young ones. Young ones, kids, I want you to give me your full attention now because I'm going to tell you what this passage is going to be about. And then I'm going to tell you what the sermon's going to be about. And then we'll get to the passage in the sermon. Okay, uh, kids, who here likes vending machines? Yeah, do y'all know how old vending, like, vending machines were around when I was a kid, and I'm really old. Like, so vending machines, technology is advanced. We still have vending machines. What's your favorite thing to get out of a vending machine? Anybody? Anybody have a fave? Like a go-to? Go, Luke. Food. Okay, he's a food vending machine, because they're also all drinks vending machines. Henry. Sprite. We got a drink guy, too. John William. Fanta. Cool. It's so good. The orange stuff is so good. Go, Charlotte. Soda, a lot of drink people. Go. Candy. Okay, candy. Yes, what kind of candy? What's the best kind of candy you get out of a vending machine? Henry, we've heard from you. You like drinks. Sanders. Sweet, sweet tarts. Okay. You got the sweet, you got the, you got the, you got the chocolate. Henry, go. Chips. The really salty stuff. Good. Did you know that you can, Grace, go ahead. Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, did you know you can also get live crab? There are vending machines for live crab, and there are vending machines for lettuce. Lettuce. Uh, there's also vending machines for bananas, for mashed potatoes with gravy. There are uh, vending machines for lobsters. There are vending machines for cars. You, yay, yeah. Uh, there are vending machines for snowballs. <laughs> and there are vending machines for umbrellas. Uh, and if you need an umbrella, there are some outside. Um, okay, uh, sometimes, y'all, uh, like, let me ask you this. Let's say Jesus, let's say Jesus was a vending machine. What would you want Jesus to give you? What kind of vending machine would you want Jesus to be? Go, Henry. Henry, <laughs> a grace vending machine. You nailed it. Okay. Uh, let's, let's be bad for a second. What else? Uh, come on, if you could get anything from Jesus, what, what would you get? What else would you get? Maybe, ooh, I think I know her, Charlotte. A soda. <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. Okay. What about like a dog or like no homework kind of vending machine? I want Jesus to give me tons of money. Go. A what? Wait, I can't hear it. Say it a little louder. Oh, unlimited screen time. iPads, video games would take all of that. Yes, yes. I know a bunch of kids, personally, who would love for Jesus to give them that kind of stuff. Wait, here's it. We can treat, we really can treat Jesus like a vending machine. As in, like, we're going to put in all our good stuff. We'll put in our sacrifices. We'll put in our good deeds, our good, you know, I've been a really good boy. I've been a really good girl. Okay, so Jesus... I've pushed the right buttons. Now give me my treat. Give me that thing that I want. Uh, and then what always happens uh, is he usually does not give us that thing that we pray for and we ask for and we beg for, even though I've been so good. It's like your money gets stuck in the machine. You start shaking the Jesus vending machine. Like, give me that thing, Jesus. Come on. Uh, that We really can. And listen, your parents do this too, and so do I. We all, we all can treat Jesus like this vending machine something really good we want, and he's not giving it to us. Did you know, this is what the sermon's going to be about. Back in the day, there was this church in Corinth, and the Corinthians, that's how they were treating God. 
That's how they were treating Jesus. As this thing like they wanted success and they wanted wealth, a lot of money, and they wanted to be like really healthy and never get sick and stuff. And they thought that God should give them that stuff. If they were really good, that God should give them all those good things. That that's what Christianity was all about. And Paul the apostle is writing to them and saying, no, that's actually not what our faith is about. Our faith is actually even so much better, that you get this awesome blessing from God. Okay, last question, kids. We say blessing a lot here. What is a blessing? Anybody want to take a shot? What is a blessing? Colby. A gift from God. That's really good. Yes, it is this thing of God being committed to your good. I may say, uh, you know, hey, I bless you. I, I, I wish the best for you. I can't, you know, me blessing you is like me wishing the best for you. God blessing you is not God wishing good things for you. When God blesses you, God is committed. He commits all of his power to your good, for your good, to making good happen for you, even if it costs him. His love is so awesome that he's going, if he is committed to blessing you, he's going to bless you at any cost. Last question. I lied. Last question. Uh, does it cost God anything to bless y'all? What if I said, what if I went like this? Yes. What does it cost God to bless you? I think someone said Christ. Jesus. It costs him his son. Because what you deserve, you actually, because of our sin, we don't deserve good from God. We actually deserve judgment from God. And so God loves you so much, he sends his son to live for you and to die for you in order to bless you, to give you every awesome thing that he has in heaven. It is all for you. And all you need is Jesus and his grace to get all that wonderful blessing. Isn't all you have to do is believe that Jesus has done it all for you. That's grace. That's God's love. And with his love and his grace, we actually get the best thing we get, you know, in heaven is God himself. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what our passage is going to be about. As we are wrapping up 2 Corinthians here, our summer series, catching everyone up, even if you're here for the, if you're just joining us, this is a great time to join us at the end of 2 Corinthians. Because 1 Corinthians, he, Paul addresses like a series of problems, one, one right after the other. 2 Corinthians, it's just one problem. Over and over and over, he is addressing this one same problem. That is, uh, the church has come to reject Paul, and they've rejected his gospel. And these false teachers who are preaching this prosperity gospel have come into the church saying, listen, this is what it's all about. Be good, and you will get good in this life. And Paul is writing to the church saying, please, please, please stop listening to them and come back to the gospel. Come back to Jesus. And he says that he's on his way home to Corinth to kick these false teachers out. And now here we are at the end of this Second uh, uh, Corinthians letter. We're going to be at the uh, end of chapter 12 and part of chapter 13. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It's in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, 
jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. A fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will list with him by the power of God. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. So, Uh, Paul tells the church that he is coming back to Corinth to kick these false teachers out of the church. Uh, And he pleads with this group that is still rebelling. You know, there's part of the church has repented. They've come back to Paul. There's a strong minority group that is not. And he's he's, he's, he's pleading with them. He's warning them not to be on the side of the false teachers when he gets back. Or he's going to have to discipline them too. We picked up at the end of chapter 12 where he lists off a number of, of sins that they need to repent of. Quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. That, that if, you, if you take those one by one, that stuff sounds like legal, legalism. Uh, people who think they're better than others, and so they end up fighting, and they end up gossiping, and all, there's all this disorder. Interestingly, in the very next verse, he lists off Other sins they also need to repent of. Impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Now that stuff sounds like a bunch of license, like licentiousness. People who think, I can do whatever I want, with whoever I want, whenever I want. Normally we would not apply both legalism and licentiousness to one group. You know, we'd say, like, no, it's the conservatives are the righteous legalists, and the progressives are the licentious liberals. Paul doesn't do that. Paul does not separate legalism and license into two categories. He says they are both sins of the heart. As in, they're different kinds of sins, but he does not say that, listen, you belong to one group or the other. What's happening is these false teachers, they have brought in a man-centered religion where everything focuses on you. And and loved ones, that is every religion. Every religion of the world is a man-centered religion that focuses on you. And the results of a man-centered religion are sins on both sides. You're going to get legalism and license. You're going to get sin in every way. And the answer to sin... Every sin is always the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he's done, but these false teachers do not give the Corinthians the gospel. They don't give them that answer. These false teachers give them a prosperity gospel. They give them a perversion of the gospel that says, listen, if you do good in life, life will go well for you. You will get blessing in this life. 
Paul's been addressing this one problem the whole letter. letter. He's been saying, you want, prom- you want better promises than God has made. That you want full healing of your bodies right now. You want health. You want status. You want success. You want political victory. You want to be on top culturally. You want to be on top in society right now. And, and you think that that's what Christianity should bring. You want comfort and no affliction. But Paul says the Christian life is characterized by affliction. Uh, it's not characterized by comfort in the absence of, of affliction. He says the Christian life is characterized by affliction, but, or and, there is comfort in the affliction. By the end of the letter, Paul is do- he's done addressing the false teachers. He's been going back and forth between the people and the false teachers. Now he's, re- he's just addressing the people saying that they are ultimately responsible for what they believe. And they want the prosperity of the world. And Paul is going to end the letter by saying that they already have the blessing of God, which is what they should want. So what is the blessing here? We said blessing is God being committed to your good at any cost. What's the blessing here at the end of 2 Corinthians? It is not making, it's not making all wars cease, although that would be good. It, it, it is not taking away all famine and giving everyone plenty, although that would, that would be good. It's not health. It's not wealth. It's not success, although that would be good. Now, God... Let me say this. God may bless you with health, and he may bless you with wealth, may bless you with success. And make no mistake, every good thing that you do have, whether it's health, wealth, or success, those are given you by God. They are. They're given you by God to steward well and to steward wisely, but that is not the prosperity that is promised us in the gospel seemingly big transition here, but it's not a big turn, but just follow me here. What, what do drug cartels need? Like, what do human traffickers need? What, do, what does the, the terrorist organization in Nigeria, Boko Haram, what do they need? Uh, what do angry people and gossipers need? What do the sexually promiscuous and sexually immoral need? What do self-righteous legalists and licentiousness, licentious liberals, what do they need? Is it health? Is it wealth? Do they need success? What, 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 do you, what do we need? What does everyone who's ever lived need? We all desperately need the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And you can have that blessing in poverty or plenty. Where does that blessing come from? The blessing uh, in verse 14, it's one of those obvious and amazing references to the Trinity. Did you know that we worship three gods? No, like you should, no, 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 we do not worship three gods. We worship one God who exists eternally in three persons. Did you know that? Do you know, uh, we worship one God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is one God, and there are three persons who are one God. 
That, that does not mean, we're not saying uh, that God is one-third the Father, one-third the Son, and one-third the Spirit. There are three persons who are not each other. As in the Father is not the Son, and the Son's not the Father, and neither of them are the Spirit, and the Spirit is neither of them. And the Father is truly God, and the Son is truly God, and the Spirit is truly God. All equal in power, all equal in Godhood, and we do not have three gods, we have one. And if you can't get your mind around that, I know. Me too. I, this is that awesome ministry. Do you, do you know what is like the Trinity? Nothing. Nothing. But who can save and unite every kind of sinner? Only the triune God. What does every person need? The blessing of the triune God. You need, oh, I know we're going to take this a little out of order. I'm going to start with the love of God, and then we're going to do the grace of Jesus. You need the love of God. Now, everyone, everyone, everyone wants to believe God, who, you know, whoever he is, God is love. It, you know, is, okay, is that what you hear the Bible saying? When you read, you know, from the beginning, is that what you hear the church saying about God, that God is love? Because the Bible from the beginning to the end, get this, talks about the wrath of God against all the wickedness uh, and sin of people. And the Bible says that your big problem in, in life is that you, you will fall under the wrath of God because you are a sinner, and you deserve it. It really does say that. Okay, do you hear that? And do you hear the Bible say, okay, so, be so you better be good. You better, you, like, you're, you're going to get wrath. You be good. Or do you hear what Paul says here, what the Bible also says from beginning to end, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If any of you do hear, and we all do hear, if any of you have doubt that God loves you, he sent his own son for you. He sent his own son for the weak. He sent his own son for bad people. That God of wrath, that's the same God that sends his own son so that those who believe in him, his wrath doesn't fall on them. His wrath falls on his son in their place because God the Father loves sinners. The Father's love means he is committed to blessing you, committed to your good, even if he has to pay the price, which if you deserve a curse for your sin, if you deserve God's wrath, someone has to pay that price, which means, which means you need not just love, you need grace. And now a, a lot of people will tell you, and they mean well when they say this, grace is the unmerited favor of God, erroneous. No, it's not. That's not grace. Unmerited favor, that's the stuff of pay it forward. That, that's, that, that's that thing of, it's a random act of kindness. It's saying hi to a stranger on the street. Unmerited favor is buying lunch for a friend. That's not grace. Grace is offensive. Grace is not unmerited favor. Grace is demerited favor. But like the Corinthians, we live, every day we get up and we are th we, it's in our head of, 
I've got to earn God's favor. The hard truth is we have done everything to demerit any favor from God. By ourselves, we deserve judgment. Uh, uh, This says, the Bible says from beginning to end, that Jesus has earned heaven. That he's earned heaven by his works. That he's earned heaven by his, he's merited eternal glory. And he shares all that he has earned. All that he has merited, he shares it by grace with you and with me. As in, the basis, like the basis on which Jesus gets heavenly blessing, it's his work. It's his life. It's his perfect life. It's his works. The basis on which we get heavenly blessing is not our works because our works are not perfect and even our good works are tainted with sin. Okay, so you need the grace of Jesus. And you have to ask yourself, like, does that sound, does that sound like good news? Like, Paul wants this blessing for the Corinthians. I want this blessing for you. Uh, uh, but it, another, uh, another commentator put it like this. He says, when you think about this grace, it, it, you think about this, this thing that, that God gives us, it has become standard fare, whether it's in magazines or interviews or podcasts for people to talk about their spirituality, like we are free to come up with a designer spirituality. As in like one part Jesus, and it could be one part mindfulness. It could be one part Jesus and one part Buddhism. Or one part Jesus and one part my nutritional plan. One part Jesus, and usually what it is is whatever it is, one part Jesus and one part me. Uh, you cobble together cafeteria, cafeteria-style designer spirituality. I mean, this, this is America. This is what we do. Uh, we tailor everything to optimize it to suit our individual tastes. Paul says, you only have this blessing through the grace of Jesus. And if I were to have come up with this blessing, if I were to, you know, if I were to have written 2 Corinthians, I would have said, like, yeah, I love the fellowship of the Holy Spirit stuff. That's great. But I would have flipped the grace and love part. And I, I would have said, you know, the grace of, of God, you know, God's gracious to us and the love of Jesus. Jesus loves us. And that's true. Like, that's true. Jesus loves us. And yes, God the Father is gracious with us. Yes, right. And this makes the point for the Jewish listeners and the Greek listeners, they are hearing that Jesus is God and that he became a man. And not through anything you do, but through faith in him, this blessing comes to you because he does it for you. As in, you want ultimate, everlasting prosperity. You will not get it on the basis of be good and God will be good to you. You will not get it on the basis of anything you do. God loves you so much. He is so committed to you. He he gives you his son to do it for you because he has to, because you cannot do it for yourself. He gives you his son to live for you and to pay the price of your sin on the cross all to earn this blessing for you and to gift it to you by grace. This demerited favor, does that sound, doesn't that sound like good news? Uh, It gets better because you also need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this, there's a difference between the fellowship fellowship with God and the presence of God. The presence of God, that's everywhere. And remember, that's our big problem. God is omnipresent, not his fellowship. God being everywhere, that that is not a good thing because God is holy, holy, holy and totally just and he cannot abide sin and he cannot turn a blind eye to sin and he cannot sweep it under the rug. It's like fire and water 
They are incompatible. They do not go together. You get fire and water together. Uh, you're either the fire is going to uh, evaporate the water or the water is going to quench the fire. They will not stay together in absolute righteousness and justice. God judges and justly condemns sin. And that is our big problem because, again, we are all sinners. And there is nowhere to hide from God's presence. You know, we had fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden, and then we turned from him, decided to be our own gods, and we lost God, not his presence. We lost fellowship with him. But when you become a Christian, when the love and grace uh, of God invades your life, the Holy Spirit invades you, literally indwells you, takes up residence in you, even though you may not feel it, you and God are no longer at odds. You and God are no longer enemies. This fellowship stuff, it means you and God are friends. This fellowship, it means that God, he delights in you. He looks at you and there is a smile on his face. His face shines on you. Uh, and this fellowship, it is, it is new life. It is, it is death to new life with him in friendship, in fellowship with him. Just this last thing, it's not just, it is not just that God gives life to your spirit, not just that he gives life to your soul. Uh, Paul says elsewhere, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies though his spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit resurrects you soul and body. We are focused on the wrong prosperity of success in this life, of every kind of success. Right now, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit has raised you to new life, and he will do the same for your body when Jesus comes again. He will get you out of the grave. He will raise you to an eternity of existence in which you will have power, you will have beauty, you will have goodness, infinitely beyond anything you could ever possibly fathom in this life. Anything, any, infinitely beyond anything you could ever hope to attain in this life. And you will, the best of it is, and you will get to be with him who delights in you, and you will get to delight in him forever and ever and ever. What Paul is saying is we have affliction right now. And we have this blessing, this comfort in the midst of our affliction. And there is prosperity to come that is indescribable. Now, I, let me tell you, there, there's this true story I heard this week. Uh, there were two childhood friends who were all grown up. They're originally from this small town in Mississippi called Sugarlock, Mississippi. Uh, one had grown up and moved away, and she had become a nun. The other one stayed in Chigalak, uh, grew, up, grew up. She became very, very ill. And she, she became very ill, and she reached out to her friend, who was this nun, uh, just to let her know that she was not doing well. So the nun drops what she's doing. She goes back to her hometown to see her old friend. And she gets to the door. She knocks, and her friend's maid answers the door. Uh, and the nun says... Uh, hi, yes, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a friend of your sick uh, employer, and I've come to see her. And the maid stares, stares, like eyes as wide as, you know, saucers, you know, just wide-eyed. And she says, oh, no, 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 she feels good. 
just stares at the nun, and the nun replies, well, okay, I got a message from her telling me she was very ill, and I've come to see her. And the maid says, oh, no, 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 she's getting better all the time. And then just stares at her. And then the maid takes her apron and starts doing this to the nun, like, shoot, you know, trying to, trying to whip her out off the porch, and says, no, shoo, shoo. And, and there's a little back and forth, and it turns out that the maid had never seen a nun before. And she thought the nun was the angel of death coming to take her employer. So she was standing between death and this woman she loves, trying to shoo death away. Best friend ever. Uh, something, there is some, y'all, there is something similar in every single one of us when we hear, you need the love of God. You need the grace of Jesus. This is the, the, what you most want is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with the triune God. And we hear that, and instead of seeing it as good, this blessing, it feels like death. Like, it can feel like death to us. It can feel like this thing we want to shoo away. It feels like, no, 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 this gracing, if, I ju- if it's just this gracing, I'm going di- like, to die. Like, I have to be good enough to get God's blessing and his favor And the question to us is, okay, do you believe, do you see that actually the love of God, this grace of Jesus, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that is the blessing that you so desperately need? At the end of the service, we are going to get to the benediction, which is just fancy word for good word, blessing. And the good news is it's not me blessing you. It is not me. It's not me wishing you well. It is God's blessing. I'm just announcing it. I'm just reading it from the Bible, his word. And when you hear that benediction, I'm telling you, it does not matter how you feel right now. God is saying to you, his face is shining on you. God's power is not dependent on you feeling it. God's power is not dependent on you feeling the experience of it. Even if, even if every, uh, every other face that you've met this week or today has been raining on you, God's face is shining on you. And everything he has one day, it will be yours. And right now in this life, you do have fellowship with him and you have his grace and he loves you. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you as we are confronted with the gospel again, the gospel of your love and of your grace and of your fellowship. It seems too good to believe, and it's true, and we pray that you would bless us with faith to believe it today and tomorrow and the next day, and that you would uh, uh, persevere us in this faith, that this is the grace that we would hold out to one another today and tomorrow and the next day that this is the love that we would hold out to one another in order to have fellowship with, that you would unite us, every different kind of sinner here, that you would unite us in your love and in your grace to have fellowship with one another because we have fellowship with you. And we pray this in Christ's name and we pray it to his glory. Amen.